like to break through without all the the mute. Remain standing. Take your Bibles. Turn to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14. We do have notes for you. First Samuel 14. First Samuel 14, look at verse 1. One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outposts. The other side, but he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Abijah, who was wearing the ephod. He was the son of, of Ichabod's father, brother, pardon me. Son of Phineas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest of Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass, Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other Senha. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but let me do tell you this. There's great revelation just in that verse right there. I'll probably preach on it soon. Then again, maybe I won't. Verse 6. Verse 5. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash, the other to the south toward Gibeah. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let us go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Say it. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead. I'm with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then, and we'll cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there till we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistine. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes where they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor-bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hand. And Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armor-bearer right behind him. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer followed, killing behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in the area of about half an acre. Go down to verse 20. Then Saul said to his men assembled and went into battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were Saul and Jonathan, verse 22. And when the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, 
They joined the battle in hot pursuit, so the Lord rescued Israel that day. And the battle moved beyond to Beth-Avon. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment that we have together. We ask that you would move in power. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, go ahead and do it right now. Come on, lift your voice. You have the freedom to pray in the Spirit. The Bible says I'll pray with my mind and I'll pray with my, my, my spirit. God, we thank and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to be sure to uh, to greet uh, our special guests, uh, Debbie and Bob Rich, here with us this morning. Would you say hi to them? They're right over here. Would you wave at everybody? All right. God bless you. Uh, Debbie was powerfully used uh, and is powerfully used in revival, especially years ago here in Alaska. God used her to break open, suffered some persecution, but we're thankful for a well that you dug, and we honor you. And uh, we're hopeful that God will use us in the same way to break open a well and bring real revival and reformation to this great Northland. She'll be preaching tonight. You do not want to miss tonight's service. At 6 o'clock we start worship, so you'll be here at 6, I hope. Praise God. In, in the country of Ireland, years ago, before they had electric, actually electric was just come to the country, there was off in the moorland, a, in the moors, and elderly lady who was quite wealthy and she had the ability to bring in electricity to her home there in the moors of Ireland. And so she paid for the, for the electric wires to be brought in and power to be brought to her home. And she had a, a light put in and was rejoicing about electricity. About a month and a half later, a man from the Irish Electric Company came to check on her because they noticed that she wasn't using very much wattage. So he came to the house and he knocked on the door. And she answered and he said, Ma'am, good afternoon. We've noticed we have that you haven't been using much electric. Is everything okay? She said, Oh, yes, it's wonderful. So thankful to have the electric. I am, yes. Well, we notice that it's not really running for you. Your bill is next to nothing. Is it working? Oh, yes, it works. It's wonderful. I, I turn it on just long enough to light my lantern. Right here, right now, there's radio waves moving throughout this entire place. If you had a, a tuner that you could pull in through an antenna... You could hear the radio play whatever station you might put that on. Would you agree that there's radio waves here? The same is true with the power of God. God's power is not in a power shortage. He longs to release His power, but just like electricity, just like electricity can be used... Are you ready, Micah? Okay, I'm waiting for you. All right. You can turn it off. To be turned power off or on, the same is true with the power of God. It's a choice. It's a choice you make to be used by God. Now, you don't have a lot of choice about a lot of things, but you do have a choice about a lot of things. Does that make sense? In other words, 
I didn't have the choice of whether I was going to be bald or not. Now, I, I had people pray for me and say, Pastor, God's going to give you hair. I don't want hair, frankly. I don't have to deal with it. Y'all have to fix your hair. I don't have any. You know, I throw a little soap up there. I'm good, man. <laughs> Pastor Chris, he buffs his hair. You should see his skull, his, his dome, man. That thing cr- shines and shimmers. Looks like a little bit of the glory on top of his head there. Now, I didn't have a choice of whether I'd be bald or not. I didn't have a choice of whether I would be born a male or a female or not. I didn't have a choice about what family I would come to. I didn't have a choice about being born into the Bracken family line. That's my last name. I didn't have a choice about any of those things. Nor did you. You don't have a choice about how tall you are. I mean, you can eat right and you can exercise. There's certain things you can do. There's certain choices that, you know, we're just handed things. You do have a choice of whether you serve God. You do have a choice of whether you can be used by God or not. And being used by God is not, does not, deter, is not determined by what family you came into. Does not determine, thank God, about whether you're bald or whether you have hair. It's not determined by the choices that you had no control over. Every one of us here, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice. It's called the glory of, the glory of man. We can choose. You can choose to love God. You can choose to not love God. He's not going to wind you up and control you. Love is not in a vacuum. So we choose to love God or not. We choose to be a switch. To release the power of God. To turn on the juice. Or not. And it really is as simple as on and off. Let's look at Jonathan. You think about him, he was Saul's son. Saul was a man-pleaser. He didn't have a choice about being in in his home. The the home of Saul, the house of Saul. He didn't have a choice about the age that he was born in. He was born in the Bronze Age. Actually, right at this particular time in history, there was a shift going on. In fact, many scholars believe that the Philistines invented iron. They don't know for sure whether they invented iron. In fact, they talk about the fact that very possibly they didn't because they had no means of getting fire that hot. But it's clear that they did use iron. Now, iron, this, the right here is a shift from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. They use an iron sword against a bronze helmet. It's like wearing, you know, it's like wearing no helmet. It just cuts right through bronze. He didn't have a choice of that. Jonathan was in this moment in history. Jonathan was born into a family. His father eventually demonized, consulting a witch. Was filled with the Spirit. Prophesied. Spiraled down. He's gripped with fear. His father was gripped with fear. Did all kinds of foolish things because he was afraid. Jonathan didn't have a choice about being born into a family like that. In fact, if you look at chapter 13, the the chapter just before the one we read, Saul had disobeyed again. He didn't wait for Samuel to sacrifice unto the Lord. And because of that, the kingdom would be taken from him. And as you know, David is anointed and becomes king eventually over all of Israel. Jonathan didn't have a choice about being in board to his family. didn't have a choice about any of those things. His father made those own decisions to reject the Lord and not wait, not obey. The chariots of the Philistines alone in this war that they're fighting here that we're looking at, the chariots alone, the Philistines, are more chariots than the entire standing army of Israel. 
So the standing army, you know what I mean by a standing army, right? Yes? Okay. So the chariots of the Philistines were more than all of the standing army of Israel, and Israel didn't have chariots. And the standing army of the Philistines, I mean, we're talking sands of the seashore. There is no way that they could win in the natural. But God. Come on, somebody say, but God. Jonathan had a choice about one thing, about being used by God, about taking action. He could become, as the the title of the, the message, he could become a switch to release the power of God. I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about being a switch to release the power of God in our culture, in our homes. What made Jonathan a switch? Look at your, look at your notes with me. Now, if you don't have notes, uh, ushers can bring that to you. If you don't have them, would you slip your hand up and we'll bring that to you. What made Jonathan a switch? Well, the first thing is he had a strong desire to be used by God. Being used by God, that's got to be an ongoing passion. If you don't have a passion, a desire to be used by God, I'm just telling you something's wrong. It's just part of your DNA. It's part of your DNA of being saved, being in the kingdom. There will be a desire to be used by God. Really, clearly, every one of us have a desire to have significance, security, and acceptance. You need those three things. All of them are found in God. He had a strong desire to be used by God. He precipitated the war uh, with the Philistines by attacking this outpost And if you look at two, he knew that God's desire for Israel to be raised over their enemies. But that's why God raised up King Saul. It wasn't God's desire, by the way, to have a king. He wanted to be their king. He wanted to be a theocracy. Their judge, their lawgiver, their king. But they wanted to be like the other nations, and he yielded to them. It's amazing how we can influence the Lord. You make a difference, people. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for your faith. Watch this. I've prayed for your faith. What happened to Simon? Now, first of all, the fact that he's saying Simon is a hint. He's referring to the fallen human nature of Peter. His self-preservation would get him in trouble, where he would deny the Lord three times. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. Everybody say, I've prayed for you. That your faith may not fail. Did his faith fail? Well, he denied the Lord three times, but he came back. Well, the righteous fall. Come on, they get up. I think he came back because Jesus prayed for him. How many people have been sifted because we didn't pray? How many people have, have been spared and, and gone on because we have? Praise God for that. There was something that that Jonathan did, that precipitated the war, that eventually brought an earthquake, that eventually released the power of God. There's something that you can do. There's something that I can do to be a switch to release the power of God. Jonathan thought differently. Look at three. His thought was, how can I defeat the enemy and advance God's cause? Not how can I protect myself? Mark 11.24 is a scripture that should be underlined in your Bible. You want to turn there very quickly. Mark 11.24. We say it this way. Desire plus faith minus doubt equals a miracle. Say that. Desire plus faith minus doubt equals a miracle. Y'all there, Mark 11.24? 
Come on, just read it right out. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you'll have them and, and you shall. Desire plus faith equals a miracle. Jonathan knew he had a desire to do something for God and he, he thought differently. Not about how can I protect myself, but how can I, how can I release God's power? How can I change? How can I make an impact? He wasn't hiding under his bed hoping that Satan goes away. Come on. Let me ask you, what are you desiring God to do in your life? What are you believing for? What are you believing for? What is your desire that God's put in your heart? See your family saved. To see God break out on your campus. To see God move in the marketplace. To see God pour out His Spirit. To see signs and wonders. What is the desire that God's put in your heart? The beginning of any miracle starts with desire. Jonathan became a switch for the power of God. So can you. But it starts with desire. You've got to have desire. Look at, look at C. He knew, he knew the power of God. He knew His history. He knew how Moses defeated the largest nation in the earth with the rod of God in His hand, parting the Red Sea. The death of the firstborn. He knew how God used a Joshua to cross over the Jordan. He knew how God had raised up leaders He knew about Abraham. He knew about Isaac. He knew about Jacob. He knew his history. You say, what's that significant to me? It's significant. You've got to understand that God's intention, God's desire for you is victory every time. It's never His desire for you to lose. If you're in the will of God, you're you're not in the will of God, you've got an idol before Him, and you're going and worshiping Starbucks, whatever the case may be. Whatever it is... He'll cause that idol to crumble. He'll cause... He's a jealous God. Come on, somebody say He's a jealous God. He loves you so much that He'll make sure He doesn't leave you that way. He'll, he loves you so much that he'll, he'll cause things to fail so you really come to Him with all your heart. That's really the... That's why David said, I long for your precepts. I long for your judgments. You get to a place where you long for God's judgments in your life. In other words, Lord, deal with everything that hinders love. Deal with everything in my thinking and my being that would hinder me from being a switch to release Your power. Lord, deal with everything on the inside of me and my relationships. I want to be more like You, God. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You must trust and obey. You gotta trust Him and obey Him. You wanna move in victory? You wanna be used by God? Wanna be a switch to release the light of God, the power of God? There's gotta be a desire and you gotta, you gotta know God. That's what God does. God's looking for a man. God's looking for a woman. History books are waiting to be written about a people who'd say yes. Come on, say yes this morning. Come on, say yes. I'm gonna do it. He knew man's extremity. Look at two. It was always God's opportunity. Corey Ten Boom said, there's no pit that God is not deeper still. And even though you might be facing insurmountable odds and up against a war that's just dwarfs your own natural strength, God will enable you. God can give you victory with many and God can give you victory with few. It matters not how many. You and God are a majority. Come on, say it. Me and God... Or a majority. And he was the opposite of his father. His father yielded to the voice of the people. He was so terrified that his army was dissipating, so he sacrificed and didn't wait for the prophet. Here Jonathan just charges. 
He had the privilege of fighting in unity. Look at verse 7. His armor bearer says to him, do all that you have in mind. His armor bearer said, go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. The Bible says, if two of you agree touching anything in the earth, it shall be done. If you have discord, you will not accomplish much. If you have unity and one accord, then you will accomplish a great deal. James says, where there's envy and strife, there's every evil practice. I'm so thankful for the unity we have in this house. I'm so thankful that we're moving forward, even as one man contending for the faith. We can do better, hallelujah, but we're not where we used to be. Somebody say, praise God. We're moving from glory to glory and strength to strength. Amen? You've got to have unity in your family if you're going to have victory. You've got to have unity with God and His Word and get in agreement with Him. The army is not unified, you will fail. And he had the privilege of fighting in unity with his armor bearer. He believed God would direct him. Look at verse 9 and 10. If they say to us, wait here until we, until we come to you, then we'll wait there and we won't go up to him. But if they say, come up, we'll climb up. Because that will be our sign. He had this picture in his mind about what would be the fleece, the sign for him that God was going to release the power of God. Some of you will sit on your couch and wait for the sign. You know, you really, you, you got to get going. You got to get serving. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? You got to plug in. Be a part of different things that are taking place in the church. Be a part of life groups. Be a part of, be a part of what God is doing in the house. Many people come on a Sunday morning. It's wonderful. Come on a Sunday morning. Come on a Sunday night. Don't miss tonight. It's going to be awesome. Come on. God's going to rip a hole in this place. Amen? You're going to be refreshed. Oh, you know, I wanted to tell you. My son got filled with the Holy Ghost the last time you were here. I think he was seven years old. Maybe he was six. It was a while ago, right? Yeah, he told me, I got filled with the Spirit when that lady was here. <laughs> I'm thinking, you got filled in the Spirit when I laid hands on you. What's going on around here? Praise God. Well, I don't care how my son got filled. Praise God as long as he does. You've got to plug in. You've got to get involved. You've got to develop relationships. Churches don't just grow because there's an outpouring, although that does happen and it's wonderful. But it, like, in Pensacola, I might get in trouble for this, but I, this is what I believe. Pensacola, great outpouring of the Spirit of God. Have they changed the city? You drive to Pensacola right now, and my understanding is, from people that have been there, no! There's still tons of crime. There's still all kinds of stuff. And you say, well, the revival's over. Well, it was happening for five years or whatever. Have they actually changed the nation? I'm not looking for just a little drip. I'm looking for God to bring a reformation. And it will not come just by us rolling around throwing oil. I'll throw oil and roll with the best of them. Amen. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. No, you've got to raise your fist and bug your eyes out. You ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. You've got to get discipled. You've got to know the Word. You've got to be rooted and grounded in the Word. You've got to work on your character. Come on. The sloppy agape and Shandai Shuba and rip somebody off is over, man. Come on. God is looking for a people of character. Jonathan was a man of character. No matter what kind of family he came from, he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get plugged in. I'm going to get involved. You do not get discipled in a crowd. You can't. What are you saying? I'm saying be a part of small groups, ministries, outreaches. Get plugged in to the lights. They're called lights. Everybody say lights. How can we say that? 
turn on, tune in, and take over? The contrary of the 60s? Huh? Come on, somebody say it's a takeover. We're supposed to take over. All right, I got one or two amens over there somewhere. God bless you. Praise the Lord. May the Lord richly, abundantly blow your mind. Thank you, Jesus. He believed that God would direct him. I, I began to say that if you don't get moving, it's hard to direct something that's not moving. I don't know if you ever had to push a car. Pastor Vince's truck had had some issues when it first moved up here with the cold and different things, and they got it all worked out. Hallelujah. But we were in Walmart, and it was, dude, it was cold. And I didn't have a hat, man. Now, come on, all the bald guys, you feeling me, right? You don't have a hat, and you're in the Walmart parking lot, and the wind is blowing. Dude, you're calling on the name, right? I mean, I, I have walked to my car in the Walmart parking lot and, and begun to run with groceries with, with, with all, my, all my groceries here and one hand on my head. Because ah! <laughs> it hurts so bad. Now getting that thing moving, I mean he's got an excursion. Big, big, big truck. Getting that thing rolling is just like everything we had. And it just would budge. But once it started moving a little bit, it moved a little more. And it moved a little more and we got a little bit of momentum. And you get, you get that, all that weight. Moving in one direction. And when that thing began to move, man, it began to move. And, and we were able to push an excursion out to be able to get some jumpers and fix it and get it going. It's hard to move something that's stationary. Froze, the frozen chosen. What are you saying? I'm telling you, you've got to get involved. You've got to plug in. You've got to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You've got to, you've got to be something, a part of, a, of the vision and flow so that you could be a switch to release the power of God. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. He declared what, what he believed God was going to do. Look at E. Are you all with me? Good. Verse 12. Jonathan says, The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, verse 12, and his armor bearer, Come up to us. And we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan and his armor bearer climbed up after me. Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hands. He declared what he believed God was going to do, and he followed with action. The book of Job says, decree a thing and it shall be established. We are believing that we are going to continue to grow, continue to plant churches. And guess what? We're going to raise up Trent Broom and Amy Brooms and send them out. We're going to not only believe it, we're going to pour into people and we're going to release them. And we're going to take action. Come on, somebody say take action. You cannot just believe God's going to change something and then don't do something about it. The Lord recently rebuked me and said, son, your ignorance about Israel needs to end. I thought, that's a rebuke. So now you can, you can sit and go, I wonder, you know, you can pontificate about what that means. Hmm, I'm going to pray about that. And you should pray about it when the Lord speaks to you about stuff. I prayed about it. My ignorance needs to end. Guess what I did? I'm taking a, taking a course and I'm reading everything on, on Israel. I'm understanding a biblical theology of Israel. Why? Because I was ignorant. The mystery of Israel in the church. God's dealing with me about that. Now, when God speaks to you and He tells you to do something, get off your blessed assurance for the love of God and do something. All right, I'm going to encourage myself right back here. Praise God. 
Thank you, Jesus. That's a good word, Pastor. I'm going to plug in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to plug in. I'm going to be a light. I'm going to be a switch. I'm going to get plugged in. Oh, God's going to use me. Somebody say amen. Man, I just about need a cup of Starbucks right about now. Look at the next point. What did Jonathan release? Well, he wiped out the outpost. He released God's power that brought great victory for Israel. Verse 15 says, Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and the field, those in the outposts and the raiding parties. The ground shook. Panic was sent by God. Jonathan released the power of God by taking action. You know, that verse that we read just previous to this, he climbed up using his hands and feet. I'm going to tell you something. It's sometimes difficult, and it requires work to see God's power break out in your life. Turning off the the idiot box, as my father called it. Get into the Word. Spend time in prayer. Give up your pizza and a blockbuster to sow seed. Carve out some time instead of like average male. Watch this. Average male watches six hours of TV every day. Now you tell me who's discipling the average male who watches six hours of TV. If you're here and you watch six hours of TV, you get more discipled by the TV than you do by me. I've only got you for about an hour and a half on a Sunday. You say you're getting all up in my business. Good, I hope so. Praise the Lord. Somebody need to get up in your business because otherwise you're going to stand before God and He's going to get up in your business and He's going to say, Well, what happened? What? What happened to you? What? What? I gave you everything. I gave you the Word. I gave you my Spirit. What happened? What? What? You have to be from New York to know this part. What happened? What? But I told you, the bold headed preacher, I told you, he sent him from New York. He came, he preached to you, you didn't listen. You get plugged in, he's telling you, he told you, he told you, what happened? What happened? I told you, I gave you everything. What, what do you want? What? what? I sent my son? I sent my son, I sent my son. What? I sent my son, I sent my son. He died on a cross, he rose again from the grave. I sent my spirit, same spirit that raised me. Jesus, same spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. What happened? Do you want to hear that? There will come a day. There will come a day when you stand before God Almighty. There will come a day when you stand before Him. And that day could be tomorrow. Almost preaching. Don't you want to hear, Well done, my good. Come here. Give me a, let me, let me, let me, let me, give me, let me kiss you. Come here. Don't you want to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you? That's what I want to hear too. Requires hard work. It requires taking chances. Faith is oftentimes spelled risk. It requires getting out of your your comfort zone and, and taking that next step in discipleship. Get plugged in. Get Get plugged in. Be a part of what's happening. What did, what did Jonathan release? Well, the same thing you and I will release. He wiped out the outpost. We can wipe out the enemy in this city. Can a city be saved? Yes. 
Can a nation be saved in a day? Yes. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. He released the power of God and brought about great victory. The ground shook. Signs and wonders broke out. Why? Because he took a step. Did he know that there was going to be an earthquake? He didn't know. He was just had a desire. He was just out there taking a risk. He, he declared, he decreed what he believed God was going to do. And when he saw the sign, he said, that's it! And he charged. He could have easily been slain. But God showed up. Brought a great victory. Look at C. He encouraged Israelites to fight. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Many of you are the only Jesus that people will ever see in your family. And if you do not get involved, if you don't get plugged in, you don't grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you don't develop relationships that become big and strong in God, then your family might very well miss out on salvation. Look, this is not some stupid religious game we're playing. We're not just here just to play a little patty cake for Jesus and watch Micah go back and forth on the piano. This is not a production. I'm glad you're laughing and having fun. It's wonderful. Amen. You should have fun in church. More tours down the street. Amen. But you've got to get plugged in. It is a matter of life and death. Don't sit on the sidelines. Statistically, people that don't develop relationships and don't get involved in a church will not be in church in six months. So if you look around you right now, If relationships aren't built between the people that are here, then the people you see around you generally will not be in church within six months. There'll be some statistic on the side of the road. They'll get offended. The enemy will offend you. You'll yield to an offense. Get all bent out of shape. Because things didn't happen the way they should. Or there was a dirty carpet or... Hello. And by your taking action, just like Jonathan, Jonathan encouraged the Israelites to fight. Verse 21, 22, the Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines. There are people in the Philistine camp today. They will cross over and join the army of God because you stood up and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a part of a small group. I'm going to be a part of a ministry. I'm going to be a part of an outreach. I'm going to develop relationships. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it, man. And there will be people that are brought out of the camp of the enemy because you said yes. That's exciting to me. Isn't that exciting to you? You think, well, how could that be for me? Because there's people that you have relationship with. People, it just, it does, it releases God's power. You're a switch. Come on, somebody say I'm a switch. Some of you need a switch. Smile at me. Come on, I love you. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. I just really believe that God's power can be released through our church to bring revival. You can go ahead and put that screen down, and if you would ready the video. We've got a video I want to show you. At this point, I'm just telling you, we're at a Kairos moment at King's Chapel, Alaska, and I'm going to tell you what it is. We are growing at a phenomenal rate, and it's exciting. If everybody shows up, we have no way near have the room. But what has to happen, what is lagging behind, What's lagging behind is these, the core of discipleship. You've got to be a disciple and make a disciple. Say it. Be a disciple. In other words, we all, I'm getting discipled. Amen. I'm learning about Israel. I'm in a weekly meeting 
with Dr. Morocco. I'm getting poured into. I've got accountability. I'm getting discipled. Thank God. Jesus, help me. I want to do a better job. Then I'm discipling others. That's what it should be for all of us. Everyone. Everyone should have accountability. We have to see King's, King's Chapel, Alaska, move to a greater level of discipleship. We're going to do that through lights. I want you to see this video. Micah, are you ready? Go ahead and play it. What is a light? Simply put, a light here at KC is an S-M-O. S-M-O. Small groups. Ministries. Or outreaches. These are lights. God in His Word said that we're to be a city on a hill. And to let our light so shine before men that they may glorify our Father in Heaven. As citizens of heaven, we're called by God to be a light in the darkness of this world. How do we become a light? How do we stay burning brightly? We must grow in the knowledge of God and become more and more like Jesus. Therefore, it's imperative that we be disciples. Be a disciple, make a disciple. Being faithful to attend KC will move a person forward in discipleship. But more is needed. Be a part of a light and embark on a journey for greater discipleship through one of our small groups. Our ministry. Join a light and shine for God's glory. Stop by the iDesk for a list of lights today. God bless you. All right, praise God. That brings me to the conclusion of this message. God speaking to us as a church. If we succeed as a church, I believe that God will cause a great outbreak of His Spirit in this valley. I believe that. You say, is it all about this church? No, we're a part of the body of Christ. I understand that. But I understand also that God gives specific purposes for the local body. And they're supposed to be local bodies. And we, we, we move and we, we, we serve God and we love God. But there's different local visions. And I believe that we have our role to play. I want to hear well done. And I know you do too. And in order for that to happen, we have really got to see the next level of discipleship just for all of us. Amen? And I believe if we succeed, that we'll be a city on a hill. There will be a light of flame and release the power of God to bring revival.
great churches become great by by being a a burning light for God and passing it on to the next generation and the generation after that. I don't know how long the Lord's going to tarry, but we want to make an impact for the glory of God. Can you say amen? I said the last thing is, personally, God wants us to have victory. God wants us to win. And you've got to realize that you are a switch for transformation. It's amazing to me when I look through Scripture and you see Moses, when he lifted his hands, the battle would be won. But when his hands came down, the battle was lost. Man makes a difference. You make a difference. Whether you live for God or you're on fire for God makes a difference of whether this, this light will be turned on in this community. makes a difference for our nation. We need a revival in America, people. Would you, come, would you come, please? We need a revival in America. We need an outpouring of the Spirit of God. America's got to come back to God. I believe that as the, the northwest, westernmost corner of America, that God has a specific calling for us as the north gate. I believe. I've seen a vision. I, and I'm sure that, that He's going to do other things, but I've, I've seen a vision. It's what called me up here, that in the same way, there's a pipeline from the north slope to Valdez. That God is building a pipeline of His Spirit through which the golden oil of Zechariah will flow. It will hit this place and pour out all over into Canada down in the northwest. That will not happen unless we realize our importance in it. It's not just a man that's going to come and do it. It's the body of Christ rising up in a God-given, blood-bought right and dominion and a power becoming a switch to turn the lights on, to see that city on a hill, to see the power of God demonstrated. Bringing people out of darkness and into the glorious light of His Son. Will you plug in? Will you do it? Do it. Find a place where you can be a part of a small group or a ministry or an outreach. There's tons of them. We have them listed out there on the desk. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet? Just lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Are we ready to receive communion? Are we ready to do that? We're going to do that right now. First Sunday of the month. They're going to get ready. Let me pray for you and then we'll receive communion all together. Holy Spirit. I call forth destiny. Call forth purpose from your people. It's time to awake. It's time to arise. Move us into this next place of greater discipleship. Being a disciple, making a disciple. Move us forward for the glory of God. To be a city on a hill. To be a burning, shining lamp. To be like a forerunner, like John the Baptist, one in the spirit of the power of Elijah. To see the hearts of the fathers turn to the children. And the children to the fathers. Use us, God, to bring reformation in this valley. Lord, to bring an outpouring, God, in this state, along with the rest of your church, your body. And we say yes. Like Jonathan was used of old, you can use us. We have a choice about that. And we say yes tonight, today.
We thank you. Hallelujah. In a moment, we're going to receive communion. But let me just say, if you don't see a ministry here that you'd like to be involved in, I'll start it. You can help me lead it. What about a ministry too? Great. Let's, let's do it. Amen. All right. We're going to receive communion in a moment. Now, here's how we do this. If you just, from the back row, come up the front and then peel off to the sides. And we'll take communion all together. It's an open communion. Anybody can receive communion. Just do it in a worthy way. We'll take communion all together in just a moment. Once you're served, if you'll just wait, we'll pray all together. the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it he took the cup and he blessed it and he said this is my blood my body my blood which is broken and shed for you and as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me so what are we remembering we're remembering that it's not by our own righteousness that we're delivered or saved it's by the blood of Jesus. By His stripes we're healed. We remember the healing comes because of what He did on the cross. We remember that it's His blood that washes away our sin. That without the, the shedding of blood, the Bible says in the book of Leviticus, there is no forgiveness of sin. 
You can't be good enough. You can't earn it. It's a gift. You know, I was told recently that they're not doing communion in many churches. And I'll tell you why. Here's the reasoning. The reason they're not doing communion in some churches now is because they're afraid that people will not, uh, that it would be common. They wouldn't understand what they're doing. And so they would be drinking and eating curses upon themselves. So that's not true. Well, actually, it is true in part. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Many of you are sick and have fallen asleep, meaning dead. Many have died and fallen asleep because they did not rightly discern the body of the Lord. Talking about the communion. To receive communion in a worthy manner. I think we should know what worthy manner is. They're talking about believers. They're not talking about people that don't know Jesus. He's saying people die early because they don't know what they're doing here with this. Oh, it's a cracker and juice. We don't believe in transubstantiation. It's just symbols, but powerful ones. Okay, so what are you saying? You've sort of scared me a little bit. I'm so glad. Here's the thing. A worthy manner is this. When you receive communion, you're like, you should have told me before I came up front to get my cracker and my juice. Well, to receive communion in a worthy way is to to realize what Jesus has done his death, his resurrection and to realize that he's coming back to realize he's purchased for you healing and life and life abundantly and then realize that it is your sin that put him on the cross and you rightfully discern the body of the Lord by saying Lord forgive me and, and really meaning it not a worldly sorrow in other words you're, sorrow you're sorry because you got caught or something you know you're going to go back and do it again. If you know you're going to go back and do the very same sin that you're convicted of right now, do not drink and eat this right now. You're warned. That's scripture. Listen, the holiness, holiness and righteousness got to come back to the church. There could be lots of fun and joy, and there should be. But there really is, God really is holy. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. We need to live right. We need His help to do it. Come on, it takes God to live for God. So right now, in a worthy manner, means you examine your heart, and if you've got lust, greed, you've got anger and rage, unforgiveness in your heart, you better forgive, ask God to forgive you and get it out. Stop it. Receive His forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? I actually really respect when somebody doesn't take communion. they got to get something right. Maybe they got to go do something or make amends to somebody. That's okay. That's good. That's maturity. Either that, or you can eat and drink judgment on yourself. Says 1 Corinthians 11. You can go read it. It's not my word, it's his. Okay. That's sobering, isn't it? Come on, let's examine our hearts. (sighs) Heavenly Father, before you we come, and we ask God that you'd wash us and cleanse us, forgive us for wrong thoughts, attitudes, or motives the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, greed or anger, perhaps. We ask you to forgive us. Come on, ask God to forgive you right now. Frustration, irritation, the flesh, 
You're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the good news is. You might be convicted of sin, but once you repent, He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Therefore, making you righteous, clean, new, brand new. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed the cup. Blessed it. He said, this is my body and my blood, which is broken and shed for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. God, we remember that you died on a cross for us and you rose again from the grave for us. We remember that as by your stripes we're healed. Release healing, God, as we receive communion. We remember that you're coming back for your church. Your spotless, victorious church. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Eat and drink together. Hallelujah. The curse of sin is broken. Come on, somebody called it a happy meal once before. It's great. Come on, God is good. Give a shout to God, won't you? Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't miss tonight. They're collecting the fragments of your cups. Don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock. Debbie and Bob Rich will be with us. Going to minister the word of the Lord. It's going to be great. Invite. How many of you say I can invite somebody? Yeah, it's got a tremendous gift of healing, prophetic giftings, gifts of the Spirit are going to flow tonight. You invite somebody. Don't miss tonight. Don't miss tonight. Amen. Take someone by the hand. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done today. What you're going to do tonight, Lord. In the two services this morning, you've been so gracious to pour out your Spirit. We ask for your blessing to be upon your people as they plug in. Lord, I pray, bless them. Make us a light. God, make us a city on a hill. Make us a people, Lord, that are discipled and making disciples. Help us, Lord, to plug in where we should plug in. Speak to individuals. Cause our small groups to explode. Ministries to explode. Outreaches to explode. To bring the gospel of the kingdom of God into this area, into this region, into this state, even the nation and the nations of the earth. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.